That does it for us tonight. There we go. Thank you for letting me finish on that note. Banfield starts now. And welcome to Thursday. It is Friday Eve, as I like to call it. I'm so glad you're here with me. There is a reason. There is a reason why inmates wear stripes. If you were just watching Dan Abrams, you may have had a good laugh at that video. I am going to show you two more exclusive videos of the chase of Caitlin Armstrong. And the reason why inmates wear stripes is so that when they're out and about in our neck of the woods, we can spot them easy. Like, real easy. Like the witness that you're going to meet on my show tonight, who shot the video of Caitlin Armstrong trying to elude her guards from jail just weeks before her murder trial. Somehow, with her handcuffs on and her jail stripes, she really thought she was going to be able to outrun them after her medical appointment. What? Seriously. In jailhouse stripes. I mean, listen, there's not a lot of places that all have jailhouse stripes nowadays. You've seen all the shows. They usually look like scrubs now, but no. In Austin, Texas, they make you wear black and white, thick stripes, just like the old chain gang days. Look it up if you're under 40. Look at the video. It's this lady in her car thinking, yeah, that's an inmate. Yeah, that's a chaste inmate. That's looking like an authority going after an inmate who, by the way, has handcuffs on. So if you saw this video, I'm going to show you what happened before the video and what happened after the video, because we have two more videos. It's kind of astounding. I also spoke with an exclusive source on the case, close to the actual case of Caitlin Armstrong. I have a lot of information about the upcoming murder trial and about that little stunt and what it actually means regarding the law. Wait for that. That's good stuff. Then there's the story of the most bizarre welfare check I think I've ever seen. Um, In a domestic situation, they are the worst. Ask any police officer, lawyer, prosecutor, anyone in family court. Domestics are the worst. And it is usually why they send more than one officer. And in the video I'm about to show you, there is a very good reason why there are three. Three officers looking for a missing girlfriend. And can I tell you, um, you obviously start with the boyfriends, right? Or the really close family members. So this is what it looked like when three officers showed up at the boyfriend's house looking for the missing woman. Edward, 31 out of service. Amberly. She passed away. I can't hear you. I shot her. Watch inside, Brady. Uh, Actually, he said, I I shot her. Is Amberly here? I shot her. And then the cuffs are on. If every arrest could be that easy, but wait. Because what happened after that moment, when police pushed past him, looking for her, you're going to see it all. You're going to see the raid of that apartment. The condition it was in, Holy Dinah, and what they found. Also, um, in an upscale neighborhood in Texas, people were left like completely speechless by a crime that happened in a place you really don't hear about this stuff. 
very often, especially the crime that these people have been subjected to. A woman burned alive on the side of the road. Somebody thinks it's a grass fire. It's such a big patch of flames. They call in a grass fire, and when the police get there, it is not a grass fire, and they find something in the flames. Maybe the murder weapon, maybe not. But somebody tried to get rid of some evidence, and it is possible that the knife that was burning with the body might be something that will lead to this twisted killer. I'm going to tell you all about that in a minute. First, though, this really bizarro case of Caitlin Armstrong. I was getting all geared up for her trial in two weeks. She is that woman caught in the love triangle, her pro-cyclist boyfriend apparently sleeping with Mariah Mo Wilson, and she gets irate, allegedly goes and fires a bullet into her head right at her doorstep, and then takes off literally across the country. And we can see her like going through airports, trying to elude custody for weeks and weeks on end, and eventually they catch her in Costa Rica. And here's the thing. When I say they caught her, apparently just temporarily, because yesterday during the medical appointment, we showed you some video. Uh, Actually, sorry, we told you we wanted to show you video, but they weren't wearing body cams. And then this morning, a witness had a cell phone video of The Great Escape. Caitlin Armstrong goes for a medical appointment and decides to split from the guards who are with her. And it's actually pretty intense. It's like, Depending on who you talk to with the authorities, they give out a press release saying it was 10 minutes, and then they do a Twitter saying it was only a block and a half, but that would be the slowest chase ever. No matter what, there is video, okay? So what I'd like to show you tonight is not only the video that you've probably been seeing throughout the day, uh, but a couple of others. So let's just start with the first video, which is the remarkable witness who sees this inmate running in jail stripes. Let's roll that video. Uh, And yes, I'm with you. I thought it was fake. It's like, come on, seriously, look at that. That has to be fake. But she's handcuffed, hence it's hard to scale that fence. You you try it. Try scaling a six-foot fence with your hands cuffed, and you're probably tired from all the running, right? That's the one we saw most of the day. But we also have video exclusively to us tonight from our affiliate KXAN in Austin. They were able to get the video right beforehand and right after. Just a little bit more to give you some context. So you can see her sprinting along the fence in the video beforehand. And the police officer runs across a parking lot make sure we're running the right video. Um, I think that is the parking lot. And then afterwards, um, this one's the one where I feel like we need Benny Hill music. And I don't say that lightly. I've read the comments in, in, some, of the, in some of the postings. They, she falls off the fence and then like runs around a tree. It's just nuts. I know the clip is short. Unfortunately, it was made as a Snapchat, not as a lengthy post. So this is all we get. But you can see like there's this crazy kind of runaround. It's nutty. But if you put all three of the videos together, you kind of get a little bit more of the feeling of what the chase was like. So we've strung all three of the videos together. I'm going to tell the control room to play that one, where all three of the videos, the one you saw today, the long one, and then there is the one across the parking lot, and then there's the going up the fence with the handcuffs and then struggling. This is the passenger backseat view where she falls off the fence and then runs around the tree. Gives you a little bit more context for like how nutty 
this chase was. Once again, ah, walk and a half, dunno. 10 minutes, dunno. That's the official word from the uh, police. But what I can tell you is that the woman who shot the video uh, and gave it to KXAN in Austin is Teresa Rangel. And our Nancy Liu, um, the intrepid reporter that she is, was able to track her down. And she joins me now live. First of all, I can't believe you found her and you got the extra videos, too. So take me into this story um, and talking to Teresa Rangel. And what, she must have been thinking, is this real? Is this, a, is this a movie being shot? Like, what was she thinking? You're exactly right, Ashley. She just instinctively started videotaping, but she didn't even know what she was videotaping or who. Now, before we talked with Teresa, we also talked to the Travis County Sheriff's Department, who also stressed to us, yeah, it was only a block and a half. It was 10 minutes, and those transport officers never lost sight of her, and they were the ones to take Armstrong back in custody. But in speaking with Teresa Rangel exclusively, she's telling us that it's a pretty harrowing 10 minutes. Now, the Sheriff's Department stressing, 8.17 a.m., the escape, 8.27 a.m., Armstrong is back in custody, and 8.36 a.m., Armstrong is on her way back to the Travis County Correctional Center. Now, those harrowing 10 minutes, Teresa Rangel explains she was pulling into the parking lot. She was on her way to a medical appointment when she saw the two deputies coming out with an inmate. Here's part of what Teresa had to say. But the next thing I know, I guess after I drove by, she must have taken off because next thing I know, I see somebody running. I'm like, oh, my God, this girl's really running from the cops. And I was like, hold on, let me park so I can capture this. And I parked and then I just got my camera and I just recorded and I was like, she's really running. I had no clue who she was. They just couldn't catch her. I mean, it was a guy and a female. It was a female and a guy and they were both trying. The guy just was struggling more. The girl took off. Um But they both just, I was like, y'all can't catch her. She didn't even look like she was going that fast either. She wasn't going that fast either. So it was an area of a block and a half. But Ashley, the way Teresa explains it, it was a block and a half back and forth. And where we saw her climbing the fence, she came back down. It went on and on. It went so long that Teresa went to her appointment and didn't catch the end of it. She stopped videotaping because she didn't want to get in trouble with the sheriff's department. But it was a struggle. And obviously, Armstrong is pretty much a world-class athlete against, you know, two deputies who are regular transport officers, I'm told, by the sheriff's department. And you see in Teresa's video, the female officer, she stumbles and she falls. And that may be why there is the new felony charge of escape causing bodily injury. So Mm. not only is she facing first degree murder, but this is a new felony count, Ashley. Escape causing bodily injury. So glad you said that, Nancy, because I actually uh, talked to a source uh, who's very highly connected to her case and found out the significance of that charge, what's going to happen with that charge, how it could play in to the murder case in two weeks. That's coming up in just a bit, but I'm glad you gave me the opportunity Mm -hmm. to tease ahead. Great job uh, finding her, Nancy. Excellent work. Thank you for that. Um, I I love the fact that 
You know, that Snapchat video was so short. I kept thinking, well, that must have been the moment they put her in cuffs. But it turns out, nope, uh, she was able to get away after that, too. Joining me now is Brianna Hollis. She's a reporter for KXAN News in Austin. So, Brianna, you were the boots on the ground. Uh, you were able to do a lot of door knocking and talk to the folks who not only are in that community, but might have seen that bizarre uh, sight of someone in jail stripes running by. What did the people in the neighborhood tell you about what happened there? So it was pretty interesting because when I went over there, we had just been told, we'd been given an address. We didn't know some of the details about her going into the neighborhood yet, right? But knocking on doors, asking people, you know, what they may have seen. And so many people told me, and I'm pretty sure it's because you see the video now, looks like this did happen mainly in the parking lot. But most people in the neighborhood had no idea what happened. They did, however, recognize the name Caitlin Armstrong. As you can imagine, it's a high-profile name here in Austin, and people immediately mentioned that surveillance video back from last year of her in the airport with the yoga mat. And people are like, oh, the yoga mat girl. Yeah, I can't believe she was over here. But yeah, pretty wild to me that not a lot of people actually saw it. But again, people, once they did find out it was her, they were pretty surprised. So but beyond the surprise, um, I would think that the next emotion that a lot of folks would have is what on earth, how is it possible for an inmate in jail stripes to be able to just get away that easy. You know, she's she's charged with murder. It's serious. We might laugh. We might say it looks like Benny Hill, but she's charged with murder. So that would be, you know, an accused murderer on the loose if she got away. And there's a school, an elementary school right down the street as well. And that was the first thing most people brought up. I know I went over there around three o'clock. That was school pickup time. So when I was talking to parents about it, they were obviously really unhappy with what happened. I spoke with a gentleman who worked construction nearby who that was the first thing he said. He was like, man, we're right near a school. If I had a kid that went there, I would have been really upset. He said, you know, yes, the the, the 10 minutes, it's in the grand scheme of things, who, who knows how far she could have gone in 10 minutes. And that's kind of got a lot of people's wheels turning, wondering how much worse this could have potentially been. Well, I always say, you know, when you're facing the prospect of life, sometimes no parole, sometimes, you know, death penalty. Uh, Desperate people do desperate things. They might have never done it before, had the reputation, but, you know, they could take a hostage. Uh, It could be a child. There's all sorts of things that could have happened. So I can imagine that as we sort of look at this bizarre video, there is that underlying feeling for the community that how on earth would an accused murderer be running next to the school and next to our homes? You did a great job. Brianna Hollis, thanks for getting that exclusive video. Um, Thank you to KXAN as well. Excellent work to all of you. Thanks for having us. Brianna Hollis joining us live. I want to tell you a little bit about um, some of the stuff I learned from a source that I spoke with, a very high-level source connected to um, Armstrong's case. Because I was very curious about how this little stunt was going to play into the murder case. Because it's only a couple weeks away, and, you know, things don't process so fast, right? So here's what I learned. Uh, After the chase, law enforcement officials were immediately in contact with the prosecutors who are working the murder case. And the comment I got was that they, quote, were not surprised about the escape attempt given the circumstances leading up to the case, end quote. Okay, there's more. Um, That charge you heard earlier, it's... it's, uh, Escape causing bodily injury, it's a felony in the second degree. So if she beats the rap on murder, this is different. And it's a felony, so it's prison. It's not murder prison, but it is prison. But what about this 
in terms of the, you know, what the jury's going to hear about the murder. Does this stuff come in? Does it, does it matter? Good question. Glad you asked. Um, my source said, again, this is someone very highly placed in, connect, in connection to the Armstrong case. My source said that it is unlikely to be able to get before a grand jury before the murder case. So it's going to be separate. It'll be probably heard separately if it's heard at all. And here's the fascinating part. It's getting into the murder case nonetheless. So if, you know, if there's a jury out there somewhere, this little piece of business is going to be a part of the murder case. So watch this space. We're going to be covering that case uh, wall to wall, which is why I bring in Dave Ehrenberg, state attorney for the Palm Beach County uh, and also former assistant attorney general. The additional charge, Dave... It's fascinating that they're going to be able to bring it into the murder case without it being, you know, before a grand jury, even beforehand. But then there's also the Costa Rica business, like a fugitive who had to be extradited from Costa Rica with the reported surgery and all the rest. How does that factor into what the prosecutor will say to the jury? Like, what does that have to do with, you know, the alleged murder beforehand? Ashley, it's called consciousness of guilt. So you're going to tell the jury that she knew she was guilty. That's why she fled to Costa Rica, refused to come home. She got plastic surgery to disguise herself. It's not something an innocent person does. And then after she was caught and extradited, she pulled this stunt. So that's how it's going to come in, even though the actual charge will not happen until after the trial. So I kind of think about how crazy the whole package of the story is, right? What about the state? What about the guards, the people whose job it is on a regular basis to take inmates to and from, transfer officers? They have different names in different states. She was not wearing leg shackles. She was wearing handcuffs, which obviously made it hard to scale the fence. But what is the fault of the state in all this? Well, this is these are local officials who are supposed to guard her. And generally, when someone has a medical procedure, they get it taken care of inside the jail, inside the clinic there. If it's a specialized procedure where the jail cannot accommodate someone, then they go outside. But when you're a first-degree murder suspect about to go on trial, you would expect that there would be additional precautions, leg shackles. But Ashley... There's no way I can get around this. I think that if she were a guy, there would have been more precautions. But she is an attractive, uh, thin woman, and I think she was treated differently. And literally, the guards let their guard down here. Yeah, there's the better picture of what they wear. I mean, luckily, we have this this courthouse picture, but those are the jailhouse stripes and the burgundy top that the inmates wear in Travis County. Um, one last quick question. I only have about 20 seconds left, though, but... Put on a defense hat for a hot minute. I know you're a prosecutor, but put on a defense hat, especially if you're a public defender. I don't know if she's going to get a public defender for this particular escape case, but it's a big steaming pile of you know what. How do you defend it? It's all over video. Oh, yeah, it's a terrible case uh, for the defense. There's a lot of evidence against her. She's got means, motive, and opportunity. I think the best thing they can do is to try to punch holes in the circumstantial case of the state, make the jury try to find some reasonable doubt because the burden all goes to the prosecution and all it takes is one juror to find reasonable doubt. You've got a hung jury. That's their best hope. There's no chance she's going to get acquitted. But if she gets a hung jury, she can try to cut a deal I, with the prosecutors to not try it a second maybe, time. Maybe in the murder trial. But on this one, this TV juror is like, no way, no how, no nothing. Is there anything that would hang me on this one? I see you're going to make a quick point. I've oh, got 10 seconds. 
Guys, I'll be quick. I'm sorry. I don't even know if this is even going to be charged because if she's down guilty of first-degree murder, they may just say it's not worth the follow-up trial. That's what my source was saying, and that's why I said if it even ever gets you know, uh, to, to trial. Dave Ehrenberg, I just love having you on because you will put on a defense hat, and that's lovely. As a non-biased network, we love it when you take both sides. Thank you, Ashley. Great to be with you. Good to have you, and I'll see you again soon. I do have this uh, quick breaking update that I want to give you in that manhunt for the killer on the loose in Vermont, the, the guy who murdered the, the former dean of Vermont State University. This Remember, it happened on a, on a hiking trail, and then they put out this, this sketch yesterday. They have gotten more than 150 tips on this. They put out the composite sketch yesterday. 150 tips have come in. Quick reminder, white man, Somewhere in his 20s, 5 foot 10, short red hair. Look at the hair. Now imagine it red. That's a very unique characteristic, okay? So if you know anything, if this jogs anything, call the Harford County Sheriff's Office. Take a picture of your screen. We're going to put the number up real quickly, 410-410-836-7788. I lied. I said I was going to put it on the screen. I didn't. I'm just going to repeat it. Uh, 410-836-7788. Eight. Uh, and if you can't remember that, uh, call your local police and tell them about that Vermont manhunt for the hiking trail killer. They'll, they'll do what's got to be done. Coming up next, some police body cam video that I gathered for you today. You will not have seen anything like this before. Police in Kentucky doing one of those welfare checks, right? It's a missing woman. They're looking for her. Uh, they go to the boyfriend. And instead, uh, when they find the boyfriend, they hear this jaw-dropping confession. Take a look. What? You did what? I can't read. I shot her. Okay, come here. Yeah, you heard right. He just said, I shot her. He did it, said it twice. And that was just the start. Wait until you hear what else he confessed to right on this body cam as they blitzed his house. Wait until you see the blitz. It's like heart stopping. You're going to hold your breath and then you will, uh, well, I don't know, exhale maybe. It's all next. watch the show regularly. Thank you. Um, You know that I give you my fair share of total freaks, you know, like serial killers and, you know, prison escapees and police standoffs and shootoffs and hostages and everything. I don't have um, one that I've done in the past like this. This is why I'm going to bring it to you because I thought it was pretty unique. Maybe something you'd never seen before. Uh, This one comes to us from Independence, Kentucky. And I know you've heard of a welfare check before. They're normal. Happens all the time. But in this particular case, Amberly Harris is missing, and that's her boyfriend's apartment. So, you know, it's domestic, so they're going to send three officers. And um, when they, I wish all arrests were this clean and easy, but wow. The thing is, um, she was there. Amberly was there. She was not alive, but she was there. She'd been there for three days in that apartment with that boyfriend. And when they knocked on the door, it was one of the more bizarre responses. And then what happened after, mind-blowing. Take a look at the whole thing. Amberly, here. Amberly. She passed away. What? You did what? I can't read. I shot her. Okay, hold on, come here. Where is she? Where is she? Watching something. She's in the back. What? Independence, please make yourself known! Attention, you 
In the best place, make yourself known! In the best place, make yourself known! Go! Yeah. 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 Watch your footing, watch your footing. Just a minute to shooting our victim here, so we're trying to figure out further. What's your name? Tommy? Okay. Yeah, we'll work that out in a second, but I gotta make sure my guy's inside her, okay. Rungi, you guys good? Yeah, we're good. All right. Hold on, hold on. I'm sorry. We're going to wait on that until more people get here, if that's okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. I got his it's, first. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to put... I got put on four leads to verify completely. I want to... Do you have a time frame of all this? One day between the bed and the... That's what we heard. He shot her Monday, he said. Well, I, I didn't see what this initial call was. A well-being check. Somebody else called about it? Yes. Okay. And, yeah. Okay. There's blood splatter on the wall, and she's covered up. Her face is covered up. Yeah, he covered her. her there was something Chief, are you in here? Yeah. I'm coming through with the camera on to do a uh, walkthrough. Uh, there's a TV on the floor in the bedroom where this occurred. That's just, it looks like it may have been on a, like a, a shell purse. may have been knocked off. Do you want to tell me what happened here? We're fighting. Trash my shit. Okay. Wow. That's motive, huh? She was trashing your shit again, in your words. Uh, that fella, Tommy Powell, sitting there in the back of the cruiser, uh, ended up pleading guilty to Amberly's murder. He's sentenced to life in prison. But the story is more fascinating based on the fact that that everything was kind of out there. Like everything. I guess he had no choice. I want to get to criminal defense attorney Matt Murphy. Uh, he's a former homicide prosecutor in California. I kind of wanted to ask you, is that all his lawyer had? I mean, there's really not much you can do when you literally just say, I did it, and here's why I did it, and there's the evidence. She's in there. Right. Defense-wise, you can always go after a degree. He can argue second degree. Um, but second degree with a gun in California, for example, is still 40 years to life. So... You're right. There isn't that much that they can do. What's fascinating for me about this video, this is what murder scenes look like. Like the bread and butter of any homicide prosecutor is domestic violence murders. It's going to be six out of ten guaranteed on any caseload. And we would go to our own crime scenes. And this is exactly what they look like. You know what's so bizarre? For so long, Matt, you were the guy that got to see these things. We did not. If you're in the courtroom, sometimes you get the tour. But because of body cams... You know, we're now becoming a lot more informed about murder scenes and what actually happens. So what you just said really rings. I was absolutely riveted to that. I don't know why. I noticed the Christmas tree. Um, This did happen in December. It was just adjudicated. But the mess everywhere, the, the tiny detail... He covered up her face. Did that stick out to you for any reason? You actually see that a lot, especially in interpersonal relationships when you find the body. If they're inside, they don't want to look at them. Sometimes they'll even, it's, it's a weird psychological thing. Another thing that stands out about this is that's really kind of cool, for lack of a better term, about body cams. Everybody gets to see the professionalism of these officers. Yeah. And you can also appreciate how dangerous that is. This is the most dangerous scene by far for people to respond to is any sort of domestic violence. This is just a welfare check. But you can see these walls are paper mache thin. This is a man who's just murdered somebody. He's got a loaded firearm inside. And those police officers are 
they go from checking on somebody who 99 times out of 100, that person is drunk, they're not feeling well, they forgot to call their boss, and all of a sudden you got a guy coming out who has a gun inside, who's perfectly capable of pulling the trigger, and he, this guy is remorseful and compliant, but this is a unicorn, right? The, this is a unicorn, Matt, because what was standing between that guy and life in prison, probably no parole or death in Kentucky, there's more term on death penalty are those three officers. So uh, you're right. I have always the utmost respect for officers and domestics. They send three for a reason. That's right. That's Matt right. Murphy, I always love it when you come in. And uh, it is great to pick your brain on this stuff. you got a book coming out, too. So I we're going to talk about that soon. Yep. All right. Thank you so much for this. Thank you. All right, coming up in uh, just a minute, a, a woman hideously murdered in a very fancy neighborhood in Austin. The killer is sick and twisted and sadly still out there. There is a desperate manhunt underway to stop him before he kills again. But there is one bizarre piece of evidence they found alongside this woman's body that was burning in an inferno. I will tell you what it was and if it might help to find him next. I have never been to Cat Mountain. It's not saying a lot. Um, it's not like a massive mountain or anything. It's not like a ski resort or, you know, it's not like for tourists. It's a neighborhood in Austin. It's nice, like ritzy. I'd like to go, except for what I found out about it today. Uh, and the people at Count Mountain were never expecting to have a headline hit their neighborhood like they got today. Melissa Davis, 33 years old was found dead in this neighborhood, but it's not like just any headline. Lovely young girl, I mean, 33 is young to me, found burned alive on the side of a road. Cat Mountain, burned alive. And they know that because the medical examiner always checks your lungs when you're dead, especially in a fire. And if you have soot in your lungs, it meant you breathed it in. It meant you were alive while you were burning. And that's what they said about Melissa Davis. She was alive when she was set on fire on the side of the road. Maybe even more weird was what was found with her. Accelerant, that I get. The lighter, that I don't get because whoever lit it left evidence behind. And a butcher knife that was covered in accelerant and the killer was trying to burn. That could be one of the biggest clues, but so far, and this frustrates me, it's been 13 days and that killer is out there and there is a desperate manhunt for him or her. Is that butcher knife and that lighter going to give them the evidence they need to find the monster that did this to Melissa Davis in Cat Mountain? I want to bring in Caitlin Becker. She's a senior reporter for the Daily Mail. First of all, it is so bizarre. Um, Caitlin, her car is missing and her phone is missing. But other than that, is there anything else? Do we know any other clues? 
We don't, but the phone I think is very significant, Ashley, because the last time she was seen alive, she was leaving her mother's who lived nearby, and she said she was going to the Apple store to get her phone fixed. So I know you discussed a little bit about not having any clues, but to me, that's a big clue that she had a broken phone and we knew that she was going to a certain location. So there is a good chance that cops can go there and get security footage to see if she went, who she was with, what time she went, and then potentially track her movements after that. And then if she didn't actually make it to the Apple store, that also gives them an idea of when she may have been abducted. uh, In the last story we just told, uh, the police were doing a welfare check on a missing woman and they went to the boyfriend's house and she was dead in the boyfriend's house. The boyfriend is always the first thing you look for. Do they know anything about any boyfriend, any dating app, any something on the phone where she saw somebody before she was found burned alive? Anything like that? At this point, Ashley, we don't know if they have that kind of information, but we do know that police have issued a search warrant for the contents of her phone, and they're hoping that those types of communications will pop up and help lead them to whoever did this. So obviously the people of Cat Mountain, it's lovely. This is so weird for them. It's just not a place where this would happen. They're they're worried. Do the police, have they got anything to say to the Cat Mountain folks? Like they don't know it's random. They think it's random. What are they telling them? They're really not telling them much of anything right now, Ashley. And in addition to it being this sort of swanky neighborhood where the police have said they haven't had any homicide this year, let alone something this egregious and this gruesome, where they found her body is off a very busy road. It's off a main thoroughfare, a lot of traffic back and forth. And it was only maybe a foot and a half, two feet, three feet off the road. So you could see it if you were driving by. So the location of it is concerning and then you throw the butcher knife in which i think is the biggest possible red herring right and yet they're not saying that she was stabbed to death uh they're not saying that but so there's one other detail that i thought was just awful and scary and you know i don't know a lot about the forensics of a uh, a human inferno but whoever called it into 911 said there's a grass fire and they thought it was a grass fire because correct me if i'm wrong it was like i think i don't know 10 square feet or there was a measurement that was that seemed very big um that didn't look like a, a body burning it looked like a grass fire do you know any more details about that it did look like the fire had spread quite a bit outward not as much upward because you could actually see that from the way it singed that sort of fence behind it so it did look like what could have been described as a gas fire and whoever called it in clearly didn't see that at the center of this blaze there was a body and actually not only are police not saying that she was stabbed to death the medical examiner specifically said that there were no additional signs of physical trauma to her body aside from the burning so she wasn't stabbed period according to what the medical examiner said. So why that knife was being burned is a real mystery. Crazy. And that tells me that they got to her before the evidence of her physiology was gone. So they must have gotten to, you know, some kind of a body to autopsy that gave them that info. Caitlin Becker, keep us posted on this, okay? Yep. Thank you. Thank you so much, Caitlin uh, Becker, always with the great reporting. Still ahead tonight, an Alabama woman who claimed to be the victim of a terrible crime was instead convicted of a terrible crime herself. And that was lying about the first crime. You remember Carly Russell, the woman who faked her own abduction while claiming that she was stopping for a a wayward toddler all alone on the side of the highway. Well, this mystery keeps getting, well, how do I put it? More mysterious, shall I say. But the law is coming down hard on Carly. How hard? I'm gonna get you up to speed when we come back. 
For a couple of days this summer, you could not turn on your TV without hearing the name Carly Russell. Uh, she is the Alabama woman who disappeared after claiming that she saw a toddler wandering alone on the side of the highway. Uh, turns out she just up and disappeared herself for about two days. No toddler. Uh, the authorities slapped her with two misdemeanors. That's the best they could do. And those charges were heard this week in municipal court. That is kind of like a small claims court for criminal cases. And in that small claim criminal court, the judge found her guilty. But like everything else, in this case, it is not that simple because under Alabama law, Ms. Russell is entitled to kick this little matter up into circuit court so that she can have a trial by jury. And what do you think she decided to do? Yeah, she decided for the jury. But here's what keeps me coming back to this story. The mystery is still as big as it ever was because we still don't know why she did it. No two kidnap hoaxes are alike, but Carly Russell's was different from the start. 911, where's your emergency? Hi, I am on Interstate 459, and there is a kid just walking by themselves. Oh, my God. how old do they look? Um, like a toddler, like maybe like three or four. They look like they're injured. No, they don't. Are they white, black, Hispanic, or Asian? They're white. Okay. Is it male or female? I think it's a boy, a little boy. White male? Okay. Is he wearing clothes? Yes. What's your name? My name is Carly Russell. It was a Thursday night in July in Hoover, Alabama, a suburb of Birmingham. Hoover police rushed to the spot where Russell promised the 911 dispatcher she'd be waiting. She wasn't there. Her red Mercedes was there with hazard lights flashing, but there was no sign of Russell and there was no wandering toddler either. The next morning, the $25,000 reward was issued for the safe return of the 25-year-old nursing student and police began pouring over tips and leads from the public. What they never received, though, and what no neighboring police departments received, was a single report of a missing child, toddler or otherwise. The little boy on the side of the interstate had to belong to somebody and live somewhere, if he existed. Two mysteries in one story and the nation was hooked. It's Alabama now, where a woman is missing after she called 911 to report a toddler walking on the side of an interstate. We want everybody, every across the world, to be on the lookout for Carly Russell. The mysteries persisted for 49 hours. Around 10.45 on the second night after Carly vanished, her anguished parents heard a knock at the front door. And it was Carly. 25-year-old Carly Russell has returned home. She is being evaluated at UAB Hospital. She is alive. And that is the most important detail of this entire story. But there were other very big details still to come. Russell told the police that she was kidnapped by a man who came out of the trees while she was parked. She said she was blindfolded, taken to a house, and forced to undress. She said she escaped somehow and made her way home on foot. As for the toddler, 
Well, that mystery would consume another week of investigators' time and resources, as would the search for a predator, a predator who supposedly struck in the three minutes it had taken Hoover police to respond to Carly Russell's 911 call and while she was still on the phone with someone else. Carly stopped talking to the Hoover police, but four days later, the chief decided he had better talk to his citizens. As we've been unable to verify most of Carly's initial statement made to investigators, and we have no reason to believe that there is a threat to the public safety related related to this particular case. Why no threat? Turns out Carly had searched online for bus tickets from Birmingham to Nashville on the night of July 13th. Carly had also searched for the movie Taken and whether the subject of an Amber Alert had to pay for it. What happened next really seemed only a matter of time. Carly's lawyer went to the police with a full confession. The whole thing was a lie. And then came the charges, two misdemeanors. And the chief spoke again. I know many are shocked and appalled that Miss Russell is only being charged with two misdemeanors. Despite all the panic and disruption her actions caused, let me assure you, I too share the same frustration. It still isn't clear, might never be clear, why Russell made up a child or what she was up to for the 49 hours that must have felt to her parents like 49 years. We may learn more at her full-on jury trial in circuit court. And we will follow it and bring you the results. Uh, Sometimes a mugshot can tell you everything you need to know about a crime. But this one? Not so much. After the break, why this woman may end up in prison for many, many years, and why hundreds of innocent travelers may never again feel safe in an airport. The rest of the story next. out of um, Hartsville-Jackson Airport in Atlanta yesterday, people huddling in the TSA line waiting for an all-clear after this woman allegedly stabbed her cab driver and then came into the terminal waving around the knife. Uh, Watch as officials try to de-escalate the situation and keep her away from everybody else. Oh, she's got a knife. She just has a knife. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.